Good evening. We didn't die. We just didn't do a pod for a while. It's four blades in a pub. And we're back. It's me, John. And I'm joined by Phil. Hello. That's a brilliant <laughs> intro, John. <laughs> I know. I don't know where that came from. I'm joined by Dan. Evening up. It was positively radiating, guys, but that's the story for later on in the pod. <laughs> Ian. Good evening. So we've been meaning to do this for a while, but life gets in the way. And yeah, so the Blades are back. The World Cup's over and somebody is trying to buy Sheffield United. What do we all make of that? Is this another, is this going to be some other mythical character or is it going to be generally, well, what, what, what do we think? What do we think? Anyone? It's kind of come out of absolutely nothing, hasn't it? Yeah, that that it bothers me a bit that the it's got to this stage without anything getting out in a strange way. You know, why is it so quiet? Does that mean they are to cut your words on a mythical creature like Henry Maurice, <laughs> who may well have been a Google image? You may well be a real person. I just just, just to update one is still not accepted my LinkedIn request, <laughs> which. If, if that is fishy, so there is no need for your services, Dan. Maybe not. No, actually, that's that's fair, fair enough. Maybe not. What, what was it, what was your invite saying? What can you do for him? I didn't. I put put nothing on there. I just just straight in. Do you want to? Do you want? Would you like to? Whatever it is, link up. Oh God, maybe he thought that meant something else. He thought we're propositioning him. <laughs> You'd, you'd hazard a guess a multi-multi-million billionaire tech supremo was probably familiar with the concepts of LinkedIn, but yeah. I would also uh, expect a multi-multi-billionaire tech guru to have more than, <laughs> I think, like 42 followers on LinkedIn or something, 42 <laughs> connections on LinkedIn. Yeah. Maybe. This is true. Um, wasn't he, wasn't he I, I love the fact that straight away, by the way, we're all being cynical about this. Because we've been here so many times before. Someone I, I commented on Twitter earlier, and someone says, "As long as it's not on, as long as it's not an Iranian cross dresser." But it's that kind of history, which is why we don't believe these things, isn't it? I mean, as long as it's not, as long as it's not an Iranian cross dresser, uh, an overweight man who's got various retail empires with dodgy worker worker uh, habits. Uh, what else can we have? I mean. If the prince had been in Qatar, Ashley had fit in well there, wouldn't it? Talking I mean, about workers' rights and the like. To be fair, to be fair, the, that is. If I was to throw some logic at it, sorry, may, he, the prince has been at the World Cup, hasn't he? Yeah, I thought this, but surely if, if there's a bid been accepted, this process has been going on longer than. Yeah, this this isn't that something that should happen in the last week or two. This is, yeah. This must or, have some bit. Or you just got really carried away in a game of cards. <laughs> That'd be just us. <laughs> it's like a bond yeah, film. He's, he's, lost, he's lost United in a game of Baccarat. He doesn't really know. But this is the twist. They don't know that it's got those McCabe, McCabe Holdings po- posters surrounding the ground that you can't do anything about. So the jokes on whoever it is, I don't know. That's the only logical thing. I feel like in terms of like a takeover, like yeah, the, everyone now presumes it's going to be like littered with money and like potential success. Like 
lots of football, like there is examples, obviously, which are really transformative. But like they're not all like that, and some are almost like a like a pass in the parcel, and things like do remain as the status quo. And although it would be nice to like seriously be have like fifty thousand seat stadium and fifty million pound strikers going through the door, like surely just a continuation of the way things have been going over the last few years would be all right. One of the theories to just what we on the chat today was, is it McCabe fronting a consortium? Well, he's been going after his last legal advisors over the deal that lost him the club. So unless you think you, he's going to, you win see the that. Prince and McCabe doing business again? Do you want us to see the Prince and McCabe doing business? Do you see McCabe? It was just, it was just the first the first thing that McCabe's kind of names in the press again at the minute for like what you've just touched on, Ian. It was just the first thing that came into my head when I saw it earlier. I wonder if McCabe's behind this somehow. So in mind, if, if he'd have won, he was going to flog us as well. Yeah, true. He had us lined up to flog, didn't he? Don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not saying I think that he's McCabe. It was just the first thing that came into my head. I, I suspect that there is something, tr- some truth in what you're saying, John, that this has been accelerated through meetings in, in the Middle East. The Qatar bit, not the cards. Just, yeah. <laughs> just to... the, the bit that I find out about it is, we, like I said on the chat on today, we're potentially we're in a very good position. We've got a very better than good chance of in five months' time being worth a lot more than we are now. It just seems like an odd time to sell. I think you can turn that on its head, though. We could be in a worse position now in five months' time if we go up. Yes, you're right. But if we go, if we don't, we're probably going to have to have a bit of a fire sale. So in that terms, we're actually quite. A, but even quite if we have a fire sale. If we have a fire sale, we're, we're kind of we're going to that's going to be we're, we're going to kind of liquid you know we're going to liquid liquid as assets, aren't we? Yeah, but if he if he can get the right price for the club now on the gamble of look what you could be buying, we could be going to the Premier League. That could get him extra money on the sale and be more lucrative for somebody that's looking at buying. So I, I just I think yeah, it, it, you buy potentially that's like the saucy part of buying it. Like it actually might be even better than what you think you're getting. And also from the Prince's, from the Prince's um, point of view, he's, he's in profit anyway. And it's still the, you, we don't know the ins and outs. If there's still part of the deal is that we are still part of United world. Yet he is at the principal chairman of this football club. And he's actually, much more passionate about that United World project and driving that forward. Yet we've, we're still sort of like the the anchor in the U in in, in the English English football league. I don't know. As opposed to them across the city, who are the wankers in the English football league? I'd forgot all about them. They've been playing for ages, all through the World Cup. I didn't. I forgot all about them. Yeah. I, I, I digress. It was just you know the, the other the other thing with this as well is that on the deal is if. Maybe, maybe he knows because we've been there in the Premier League and had a season where we stayed up. That maybe we aren't an attractive purchase. Maybe he's, we aren't going to attract that kind of person with that amount of money at that stage. But actually, what he might get now, with with the gamble of we might go up, but we might not get a, an attractive price for him to walk away. What What did he actually end up paying for us in the end? When he bought us as part of the deal, what did he end up paying for us? Ballpark. I, I got in my head 10 million ish. Yeah, so, 
Let, let's say double that. Let, let's say, let, let's I have say. to check on one of the official accounts that's got a blue tick. Give me two minutes. Let's say, let's say he paid 20 for us. He's probably going to sell us now for 100. Yeah, I'm going to say best part of 100. 100. He's put very, we, we, all, we all know he's put very little of his own money in, in, in relative terms. You know, the big signings were all funded by the money the club had got from, from getting up to the Premier League. Uh, he's throwing a bit of the training down. Let, let's say all in, he's got 35 million in United. Yeah. He's if he sells us money. for 100, he's still, he's still yeah. trebling his money. And I think you know, this is where I'm coming from, is it's a, right, it's a good time for him to sell because yeah. we're an attractive proposition right now for people. If we were 10th, we wouldn't be. Do, do, yeah. you, know I mean? do, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah. It's quite interesting that uh, I read, it might have been in the Star or something earlier, that there are quite a lot of clubs from our division that have been bought with a view to taking to the Premier League. And that seems to be more more of a cost-effective, is probably not the right word with the amount of money you're talking, but a, a, a better way of doing it for people than trying to buy an established Premier League club. Yeah. Well, if you're buying a... As well, like you buy an established Premier League club, like a prime example of an established Premier League club, two, sorry, Everton and Newcastle. Everton got taken over by someone with serious doubt, but then you have two transfer windows and it just doesn't work. You recruit wrong, and that, like, you're stuck with this asset, you can't do anything with it due to financial fair play. It's only if you actually like with Newcastle, eh? you have the financial clout and you get that little bit of luck that it that you, you can find yourself in a position of really, really pushing them on. Whereas if you buy a championship club, you can probably slice more of the profit off as the club goes if you are looking at it as a sort of lucrative exercise. I don't know. One, one thing I'm hoping at the minute is, obviously we were, when McCabe was, Obviously, opening win the case, he was looking at flogging us to the lot that have bought Burnley. And obviously, they've bought Burnley through a leveraged buyout where they've basically borrowed the money against the club to buy the club. Hopefully, the way the interest rates are running around the world, that sort of deal is no longer attractive. So, hopefully, whoever's buying us is actually is someone who's actually buying cash us. Rich. Yeah, cash rich, buying us with their own money rather than borrowing money to buyers. Hopefully that's yeah. that's something that, that I've kind of thought about today and hopefully that makes, hopefully that rules that sort of deal out because the last thing you want is someone buying us, saddling us with, you know, 100 million quid worth of debt which then gets paid off by the club and they just... And buying wild regos. Skim the cream off the top. Um, yeah, yeah hopefully whoever's buying us has, has actually got some, got some cash. That's, that's it, it, but that's what it goes back to sort of like, think what I was getting at before, I don't know if I articulated it properly, but if we have almost like a like a seamless takeover where things just uh, sort of carry on a bit like this, like a lot of things off the pitch, I said it in the pub before the Huddersfield game, like, I think we'll see, I expected to see, maybe not in January, so I don't think we'd buy anyone necessarily, but in the summer, and particularly if we went up, I think we'd get, like the recruitment would be like much more intelligent and much it'll be very different to we saw when we were last promoted and we bought like the the cream of the crop from the league below. I think it'd be be different. Almost like somebody to come in and keep this sort of model that we've clearly got sort of established and our truck we're constant like certain people on Twitter and that talk about how we were always trying to like 
reduce the age of the playing squad and things like that. So I don't know. I think, That's what I'd hope what, for. But I think what kind of what I'm what I'm thinking you're trying to get at a little bit, John, is if we if we do go up and we do have a new buyer, someone new in the club, they need to be improving the first eleven going into the Premier League next season, as opposed to fattening out the squad with players that we know can do it in the Championship if we do go down. But but like we but no like. With the like further examples of the recruitment we've seen over maybe the last 18 months to two years compared to the time before that. So I would say the Prince is probably, particularly from Wilder, sorry, but it's true, wasted quite a lot of money on players at, at various points. Whereas when he's bought somebody in the last couple of years, like he... Like Adanovich is the perfect example. It's sort of like it's pro- somebody who's been properly scouted, and the like. It's a it's like a really intelligent signing. I that's the sort of side of the club that I think with the training ground and stuff. It's all sort of like there seems to be some synergy between everything that's going on for the first time in a while, and like with Heckingbottom and stuff. And I just would like somebody to almost pick that up and just carry on with it, rather. Yeah. Try rather than trying to go. Oh right, well I've got this new toy. Um, you need another striker. We'll buy that um, Keen from Wigan. They want seven million, but you can have him if you think he's any good. And you know what I mean. I don't like. I don't want like a scattergun approach to ensure we get promoted. Anyway, I don't know how long these things take either. The phrase of the weeks was written on Twitter today, wasn't it? If it's reached the stage where it goes in front of the football league, you know they've got to do their checks. It's literally, it's literally quite, you know, days, weeks, and now Christmas thrown into the mix probably extends it out a bit. Yeah, but that aside, it, it it should move quite quickly if he's accepted the offer, or the ratification of, you know, the the sort of financial fitness of that person shouldn't take that long. Do we think? Do we think there's any interest in in the fact that he's not been announced who it is? Or do we think that's standard? Maybe it's Elon Musk. Luke, 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 former producer Luke sent a picture of uh, Musk and is it? I don't. Know, it's Salt Bay. Or Salt Bay. Saying that. That's not, our Salt Bay. Salt Bay. Uh, the, the, the man who tapped Messi on the shoulder for about five minutes and Messi won't talk to him. I'm not being funny. If I'm going to a restaurant like that, the last thing I want is steak that's had salt that's been slaked all down his arm. He doesn't even. He kind of runs it down his forearm. He's got this sweaty forearm, and salt's kind of bouncing off that. For obviously, this is an audio experience for you guys who are listening. Dan's face is full of disdain and horror. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's lots to ponder with it. But it is. It, I think the element of mystery. Probably makes it more exciting than who in reality it is. Because I, I think it's I think it's whoever stuck a tenner on Egan put first goal of the night. They must have made an absolute <laughs> fucking fortune based on his performance from set pieces over the last couple of years. That's uh, quite uh, down. fifteen months first goal for Egan. He's played pretty much every game, hasn't he? In that he time. Well, in that game as well, and I think it were about a year before then before the previous one. Yeah. I'd like I'd like whoever it is to come and appear before the media with a Kevin McCabe mask on. And then they pull it off Scooby-Doo style. Through the- <laughs> I mean, that would be quite something. Or coming in and like, and then all these, like, his, his goons could have like the Porter and Brayford masks on people at for Wembley all those years ago. 
I'm sure they just hey, 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 there's no bigger blade than me, Seth. Hey, there's no bigger blade than me. Either way, either way, I'd uh, I'd kind of if he does go, I'd be sad to see the prince go because I think he's done a tremendous job for the last few years since he's been in charge. Yeah, I mean, we've well, I mean, we've I think he got you know he got some criticism when um, when Yukanovich went and he brought Eckingbottom in, and myself certainly I criticised him, but I'm a bit covered talking to a couple of people tonight. I was saying it's a little bit better the devil you know again because he's not done anything horrific. Since he's been here, he's kind of steady I mean, the ship. He's probably best not to have the links to Bin Laden family if we could just remove a couple of things that have happened over the years. That would be one that I think might not, like, it'd be preferable not to have if we were given. But I 100% agree, Dan, but I just thought I'd just bring that up. <laughs> Bin Laden's blades on the back of the star or whatever it was. It could be them that's Bainers. Yeah. That could might be, be why it's the Putins, the a coalition of all the horrible, yeah. horrible people in the world. The, yeah. a, des- a, a despot's coalition. With, with manager Neil Warnock and club doctor Harold Shipman. Fucking <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Jamie Clarkson getting the job to manage the women's team. Right. So, um, I mean, this t- taking the piss aside, like, like I agree, Phil, Dan, combination of he has done a good job and 100% is, in terms of our experiences of changing chairman, better the devil you know. Otherwise, we'll have Charles Greenback trying to grow potatoes or the, you name it. Like, There's all sorts of dodgy stuff, but there's been some football played and we've won two games. Uh, what do we think to the return? Meh. <laughs> I, I didn't see Saturday, so I, I, I was I was away, so I can't comment on Saturday. But everything I've read about Saturday, I think Phil summed it up perfectly with his meh. I mean, and even last night, we were we were okay, but we made it a lot, lot, lot harder than we should have done. Because they, I mean, they, I mean, Wigan, short of actually walking the ball into their own net, couldn't have given us more opportunities to put them out of sight, could they really? That right back may as well have been the right back for them. Is it Dariqua? Captain. Fucking captain. He may as well have had a blade shot on last night because every time he got bullied, he just knocked it square to one of ours. I was shocked to see Dariqua was cap- captain. I thought that, like, because he'd got, did he get a big move to Forest from Chesterfield? I think it was Forest, yeah. And there, he's still playing in Championship. I, I looked absolutely woeful. I mean, also, the Colo Tory thing, I think they got a bit too excited on Sky about that. I don't see that going anywhere other than League One, to be honest. But that's. They looked last night like. Do you remember Swansea last season at Lane, where they just they were absolutely adamant they were going to play out from the back, choose what? And we just kept taking ball off them and scoring. And they just, they never once, not what the management, none of the players went, you know what, let's miss. Let's just knock it long and give ourselves a bit of breathing space. They just kept doing the same thing, and we just kept. To, and that's what we did last night. And the only difference was, last night obviously we we didn't punish them um, as regularly as we probably should have done. They should have realised is when keeper just played the ball out of play because he were under pressure. Yeah. Stop doing it at that point. I've never ever seen that. I have. PJ have playing five a side with PJ once. With absolutely no. Night. 
five aside with absolutely no one around him. And I knocked it back to him and he just twatted it out of play. Man, I don't fucking want it there. With, with that, honestly, no one, I don't think even in his half. So that's the only other time I've ever seen that. Can I tell you a story about the Colo Tori thing? So I'm driving driving home last night, just before the kickoff in the match. And uh, they start talking about the new Wigan manager. Now, obviously, with the World Cup being on, this news has just passed me by completely. And so, you know, come to the match and they're going, and, and the, the talking Paul Aiken, but I'm saying, who, uh, uh, and obviously, they've got the new manager. And I thought Adam Oxley was interviewing, says something like Carl O'Toole. And I'm just going, and obviously he works with Brendan <laughs> Rodgers. I'm like going, Hell's Carlo Tool? Never even heard of him. Some up and coming coach. Then we get walked in the house, sat down on the sofa. Oh, Carlo Torre. Absolutely no idea he'd been appointed. And actually pipped his brother to the job. So Yaya yeah. was in for it as well, and Polo pipped him to it. Yeah, I saw that. I think the, yeah, the, the commentary. It's a fun Christmas dinner in the Torre house, isn't it? <laughs> Pass the sprouts. Fuck off. <laughs> I want to play that Derica Colo. <laughs> you, I would have put that much salt on these roasties, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine it getting quite, quite salty. But like, in all seriousness, like, I'm glad that I've forgotten the Huddersfield game. It was quite easy to forget. I just remember being really bored and cold. I was just about to say the same. You know, we've just we've gone straight into the Wigan game. Other than the goal, which was brilliant by Njai. I can't really remember much about that game. Just remember it not being very good. It was a while ago now, to be fair. We've slept since then, and it is December, so you don't get any vitamin D, so your body starts, like, twitching. But, like, yeah, it, it was really, it was a really poor game of football. Can I offer an alternative view that we've come back from, a, what was it, three, three weeks off? So we've come back. We've got players coming back from injury who've had a couple of a practice game under the belt and what have you. We've got a best player coming back from a World Cup where he had, you know, a, a reasonable World Cup in the time he was on the pitch mostly. And we're never great after a break. It's a bit like a restart of a season. So we've scrapped through two games that we should have probably done better in and been more convincing in. But we've won them. We've got six points. We've consolidated three points behind Burnley, five out of third, and we can only play better. Oh, yeah, listen, I'm not being overly critical about United, to be fair. I, I, I thought last night we were decent at times. I just, I, I think that the, the Huddersfield game especially was just so flat. It was flat in the crowd. The game was flat, and that, that might be to do with the fact that we've been watching the World Cup for the last three weeks and got, got used to a different standard of football and... It were bloody freezing as well, and there, there were. And there was an England game in the evening, so people yeah. were kind of half a mind on that. Lots of contributing factors for it to be so flat. I think my, my biggest frustration over the two games was um, it, it clearly needed changing yesterday. Quite early on in the second half, I think that they were getting on top. You could see they'd made a couple of changes and they changed the way they were playing, and it took us a long time to react to it. And Heckingbottom, I've listened to his interview, he's explained his reasons for that because he wanted to understand how their setup was, is what he said. And, OK, I kind of see that, but I just felt them changes were too late. He could have influenced the game in a positive manner rather than waiting to figure out what they were doing. I think, that I think that's probably the, the biggest, either the biggest or possibly even the only criticism you can level at Heckingbottom throughout his time at United. His in-game management 
and the changes he makes aren't always great. He, he does. There's a lot of like for like changes. So takes a striker off, brings a striker on. Takes a midfielder off, brings a midfielder on. Basically hoping that the midfielder you bring on is plays better than the one you've taken off. There's, it doesn't very often change it tactically. You know, there's, that, that's probably the only criticism you can level at him. Yeah. I suppose. I suppose as well. Like you said, they they'd got momentum, and it took age. And obviously, it makes it harder to sort of arrest that swing. Because I was stunned. I I thought we'd had quite a lot of the ball first off, but clearly we hadn't. Because I didn't I didn't look at the possession stats at our time. But for us to come out of a game with thirty five percent possession, mm. well, there was a start in the second half, wasn't there? There was a fifteen minute period where we'd yeah. only had eighteen percent of the ball, and that obviously heavily influenced the overall stats of the game. But yeah. I don't know. I just it, it felt it almost felt like we were inviting them on, and not changing it didn't help that. No, and we then, don't have the. It's not like we've got the players to spring a quick counter attack either, is it? You know, if you've got if you've got rapid forwards on, and Jay's quick, but that's that's pretty much it. If you've got a, you, sometimes you want teams to come onto you because then you can you know if someone like Kadra, for example, you can break on quickly. But with Sharp up there, that. It's never really on, is it? That that kind of quick break the ball over the top. I thought I thought Sharp was pretty poor apart from his finish. You know, I didn't think he had a particularly great game last night. I don't know what anyone else. I thought. guess I guess the question, the, the point, probably you would argue is he's in the team to score goals and he's got two and two and won us both games. So I agree. I thought he was really quiet. I thought he was quite anonymous in the Huddersfield game as well. I mean, we have. I do agree with Ian that we've got these points on the board, but these two are like these are two sides of a relegation fodder. Bottom and second bottom. Yeah. So we should beat them. Like, but yeah. And maybe we just a it's a bit of luck with the fixture list. I think I think we've got a few harder games coming up and we'll see. And also, obviously we've got what's the date? So it's twenty sixth, Coventry, Blackpool, twenty eighth or twenty ninth, QPR and second. So that's three in a week in eight or three in eight days. He's gonna to have to like change the side up. And I think by doing that, he'll hopefully I wouldn't I said it to you in the chat last night. I still don't think he's hundred percent sold on his best eleven. Definitely needs to play low instead of Stevens, but I think that's just being protecting low so he knows how important he is. Um I just thought as well, like last night, in terms of the obvious change was to change the two fullbacks on the hour, like just to help us get out a bit more, and it, that's where we were getting done both sides. Like the, I think, uh, I think it was up top the problem. It was just coming back too easy. That was that was where we were letting ourselves down. But I, I again, Stevens. We, we've talked about it at length on this pod before. We, I don't want to ever be too disrespectful to Ender Stevens because of what he's done for us, but he was our weak link last night for me. Yeah. He won't get a new contract in the summer, I wouldn't imagine. And yeah, I think he's probably been paid very, very handsomely for the one he's got. Um, but yeah. It's, it's just reminded me of something, by the way, were you saying that. Do you think there's anything in Heckingbottom's way that he answered the contract question about Njaye? Have you heard what he said? I've not heard what he said. It's something along the lines of every player's got the price, and I understand that, and eventually players leave when the right price is achieved. But let's make him a load more money until that happens. 
and the, I've seen a couple of sort of implications that that might mean that actually there is a contract in the offing now that he's prepared to sign until he he gets an offer that that we know that we're going to accept. How long's he got left? Eighteen months. End end of next season then. Do you want to get him on at least three and a half? And if you just put a forty-five million pound minimum release clause in it, or like, well, that's assuming that his his people will sign that, won't they? Oh well, what what is a fair price then? So do you I, do I think it's probably twenty million over what is a fair price? To be truthful, I reckon put a twenty-five million clause in there, and I think you'll get three or four, and it'll end up as a bidding war. But if it's but then if you accept them all, it's a bidding war. We don't see any of the money. If it's a minimum fee, then it, it it's all about how much they can offer him. No, because people can offer more, can't they? We've just got to let him talk to them if that that fee's offered. I don't know. I'm just very rigid in my time playing computer games with this one. I just thought so. Say he had a minimum fee release cost of twenty five million quid. If only one person does it and they offer him the money he's happy with, then he'll go. But if five people come in at that fee and then we go, right, hang on, we could probably put start a bidding war here. It, it turns into a bit of an auction, doesn't it? I think if it was to be... The way to do it is clubs in your division, you have it really high, but lower if it's in league above and maybe a bit lower if they're a Champions League club. I don't get me wrong. I think he's worth more than twenty-five million, by the way, and I think I'd, I'd be a little bit disappointed if that is all we got for him. If I'm truthful, but the the problem the problem we've got is the period we're about to come into, so the January transfer window, with only eighteen months left on his deal. This is this is the most we're ever going to get for him, unless he signs another contract. Based on this contract, yeah. the second the January transfer window shuts, his value drops. Then you get to the summer. If the summer transfer window goes and it goes into next January with only six months, his value drops again. So it's it's that kind of that bit of brinksmanship. Do we cash in now or do we hold out and hope he gets us up and maybe that convince him to sign a bit of an extension? And that's why I think it, 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 I got the impression the impression that that's what was being implied by Eckingbottom that there is now a potential for a deal to be agreed for him to earn a load more money now. With a view to, yeah, we'll let you to, yeah, if we get an offer, yeah. Well, he's that. I think playing at the World Cup is only going to have added five, ten million to his value. I honestly think you've got to be looking, especially if we get promoted and he's with us for the rest of this season. If he doubles his stats that he's done in the first half of the season, in the second half of the season, goals and assists, you can ask for 40 million pounds for him. I think yeah, I'd agree with that. If we get a new, get him on a new deal and we go up and he carries on the form he's got, then yeah, you probably are talking that kind of money, or at least a a deal that could become that kind of money. Gibbs White, Gibbs White sort of money. Yeah, yeah, sort of money that Gibbs White went to Forest for, you know, uh, 30, whatever it were, twenty five down, thirty down, with possibly going up to forty with performance related add ons. And if he do, if he matches what he's done in the first half of the season. And he's played in a World Cup. Yeah. I don't know. I don't... I think everyone in football, apart from maybe Sheffield United fans and Forest fans, thought that everyone had overpaid for Gibbs. They'd overpaid for Gibbs White. Um, if Wolves probably couldn't believe the luck. 
I think they've overpaid if they get 45 for him. But like Dan says, they've only put the, the rumour were 26 down, weren't it? They haven't, though, have they? Because if they get 45 for him, he'll have hit the performance-related clauses that trigger it to 45. So they, they, they haven't overpaid for him, that's the thing. But yeah, if I they'd think... have paid 45 now is what I meant. Well, if they'd have paid 45 down for him, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a good... There was... Um, I don't know where we got it from, but there was... Um, based on playing at the World Cup, change to value, change to worth, contract left and stuff. Uh, Benjamin Bloom put on Twitter today an infographic of players in the championship most likely to move in the January transfer window with a percentage. Now, what matrix this has worked out on, I don't know, but interesting, there weren't any Blades players on it. Um, but like... But Adam Davis, Adam Davis's value has not skyrocketed then. No, but they, it was like people like the value should have skyrocketed for not being a dick of a goalkeeper for Wales because the two who got in ahead of him didn't do themselves any justice. So, surely that alone is his, his credence has risen. You've been studying the Second World War at length, Ian, like Wayne Hennessy has for the last couple of years. You might have been a bit distracted from your football as well. But, um, in, in all truth, like it was like Saar. Uh, the Aussie centre half at Stoke and stuff like that. Just pay, I just thought it was interesting that Endai wasn't in there. But I think we can we can probably spend far too much energy if we're not careful worrying about him either going and not getting the value. If we can keep until the end of the season. We probably get promoted based only on that and that alone. Like being he's that good. Like last night, people were like they were having to hack him down. And he was getting away from two or three of them. Like, just unbelievable. Like, actually unbelievable. So just, just like, just got to take it in a, in a stride. It was, like, it was like he was greased last night. He just kind of just slid between players. That's what so they it, do. Uh, that's what he does, isn't it? Adama Traore at, well, Traore at Wolves. Yeah, yeah. He maybe holds his arms up, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets all oiled up. So you can't grab him. That's why they said that's why, but it's obviously quite amusing as well. But like, yeah, I think with with all with that, that's the only like that's the only player that I'd like be fearful of really losing in January. But I don't know. I think it'd take big money at like Dan said at this stage. This is where you'd get your massive money without the new contract. So maybe Eckingbottom's right, Phil, that they're a bit they were a bit on with it or or he just I don't know he was trying to distract from I don't know not making substitutes but I think um into I think it's probably easy to pick pick it apart as we've touched on about watching the World Cup and things and like the fact that these are relegation fodder we stood be beating them but we did and we've got those six points after a big break and we've Notoriously struggled after international breaks since we've been back in the championship. So yeah. and then the Premier League. So it's if anything, it's it's the ultimate international break, and we've got some bodies back and good good performances from some of the people coming back in, like Kieran Clark and stuff, and reasons to be cheerful. Let's hope that we actually can put it to a bit of run when we've come across a bit more a bit more a few more challenging games like Coventry in form and there up on Boxing Day, but Talking of World Cup, um, we did have a feature at the beginning of the season, 
when was that? How many how many pods ago was that? Three. <laughs> two, one. Uh to do a World Cup, uh to do a World Cup squad. Now we, we were meant to get together a few times in the World Cup and do like three or four players per episode. And we're probably going to do some of them. So I think they might be quite fun. And I think people would enjoy listening to them rather than uh, us ranting on. But obviously the World Cup happened. Um, England got knocked out. Really good game of football. Like a lot of game. I think as a tournament, I don't know what you lot think overall. It far exceeded my expectations of how much I would be into it and how much I'd enjoy it. And the final was one of the greatest games I've ever watched. Um, But... It's only fitting that we make a link and uh, between the World Cup and Sheffield United. So who are we going to put in, Phil, into our World Cup squad? Well, we, we've debated who to put in. I think maybe it's a bit too soon for Njai. We could go down the route of Kyle Walker, but I'm not sure he played enough for United to go down as a, a sort of United legend and also an international. So for me, I'd like to put Harry Maguire forward, not only because I thought he was really good for us for the time that he was with us and he was here for quite a few years but he was probably England's one of England's standout players at this World Cup I thought he was excellent in pretty much every game I saw him cropping up in teams of the tournament like from some top pundits I think for me reason I was so impressed with Maguire his confidence must have been on the floor downtrodden because the thing is when you play for Man United and you're not in form you just you get you open social media, it's dogs abuse. And Especially uh, captain. Yeah. Uh and and he and he's been brilliant. He'd been he'd be he, he's he's been absolutely brilliant for England since Southgate's took over, and it was great to see him doing so well again. But the problem you've got with someone like Maguire, and I, sorry, I don't mean the problem you've got with Maguire, I mean the way he's viewed. It becomes a meme, doesn't it? On social media, you get, and we all saw it when we were in Premier League, overseas Premier League Twitter. Nobeds who've never set foot in a Premier League ground in their life suddenly make a meme about Harry Maguire, dead club and stuff like that. And then suddenly it snowballs and he becomes a, a kind of joke. And he's, he's not, he's far from a joke. He's a centre-half that was out of form in an out-of-perform, underachieving, high-profile team possibly the most high-profile team in the world. And it was the team was underperforming and he made a couple of high-profile ricks and suddenly becomes like this joke of a player who, you know, people like him to a Sunday league centre-half. And he's not. He's far from it. But that's what happens. Suddenly that becomes, you know, the old thing, you know, you say you say something enough times and it becomes the truth. And that, that's, that's what he suffered from, really. He's far it's better than... The exposure, isn't it? He's been... Yeah. It's massive amount of exposure. It's far better than football and, and Twitter would have you believe. Playing in a position that probably doesn't suit him as well. But that, that's just a circumstance. He either adapts or he moves on from Man United. And I don't think he's capable of adapting. I think he's capable of being the centre-half that we've seen him play for England and, and where he played for us. They played too high a line for him. Yeah. 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 But also, like, fewer centre-back. You need your mate next year to be there every single week. Whoever the fullback is, whichever side you're playing on, to be to to look after you, and the lads in front to look after you, and keep her behind you to give you confidence. Ever since he's gone to Man United and been captain, 
none of those things have been consistently in place for him. He's had a midfield that's chopped and changed all the time, where Scott McTonamage is shining defensive light. All right, then. And then next to him, Lindelof, Varane, like a, a rotated door of like underperforming players. De Gea was good last season, but Luke Shaw, you don't know whether he's going to play or go out for fish and chips. And then if he's playing on the other side, Wan-Bissaka or Dallow. Dallow's been much improved, but like I think Maguire and Stones as a two. Again, Stones gets a lot of like grief at City, really, that it, that's completely undeserved. It'd be phenomenal for England, and as a two, they work together superbly well. Definitely. So, yeah. linking linking Maguire back to we talked about him at the World Cup, linking him back to his time at United. Then, what what are your memories of him? Just playing every fucking game. Papa John's or whatever Johnson's paid. He played every game, ninety minutes. Never went off. Like I just ever present in League One, or it felt like at the the start of start of our time there. Like really, really impressive amount of games he played for at eighteen as well. Like straight seventeen, probably I think start of that season. I can't. I would say the buzz around that youth cup team. I think was it was it a semi final against Villa? I think at Bramalay. Man United. No, the final was Man United. I think oh, the final, final Man United. Yeah, yeah. 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 There was a semi against Villa. That was the first time we'd watched them, and then at both legs, I went to both legs of the final, and actually probably being more impressed by Terry Kennedy of the defenders, and there was one or two other players who had never actually made it in that, you know, one of them packed in football completely, who probably stood out more in that those games for me than Maguire. But then as soon as he got that chance and got promoted into the first team, like you say, there was no shift in him. He was phenomenal. I can remember, Dan, we saw him at a pre-season friendly against Worksop, and he got Neil Collins at side of him. yeah. Maguire were talking Collins through game, didn't shut up. And he must have only been 18. Didn't yeah. shut up all the way through the game, telling Collins, go there, go there, do this, do that. And it was just, you could tell then he'd got something about him. But that first season as well, going back to my point I made before, he'd got Francois to left of him pretty much every game until he got injured. And in front of him, he had people like Doyle and Williamson looking after, like Doyle doing donkey work and Williamson looking at, like that back five that season of Simmonson, Lowton, Collins, Maguire and Francois, piss taking aside, we ended up amassing like night. I know pigs beat us, but we ended up amassing like 90 odd points. So we wouldn't have done that without decent defence. And like to come in at that age and be into like a title battle that's yo. Like that first season in League One under Wilson was really like because we're going up against Wednesday, it had an intensity to it. And I imagine the players must have felt it, particularly towards the end. And I know it it turned out we didn't we didn't we didn't achieve, but I think that those experiences and I think Maguire as well, like not the best set of players, but one of my like favorite sort of teams as a bit of a mishmash watching United. I think I've said it on here before was the Clough sort of cup team combined with when we went on that ridiculous run in the league. And Maguire was a massive part of that. Like, it was a complete mix of oddballs. The core of it, lots of players came in and played, like, three games of a dog shit, like that Simon Lappin, if you remember him. But, like, like Maguire and 
and Doyle with like Jamie Murphy and Baxter and Scoogle and Brayford, like real fond memories of that team. And Maguire was like one of the, like, well, he was the probably standout player uh, of that team, even though he, he wasn't like scoring the goals or anything. But like, yeah. He chipped in with a few though, didn't he? Seems to, seems to recall him scoring a belter against Knox County on Sky. Oh, that, might have, been, that might have been a Johnston's paint. Yeah, that might have been a Johnston's paint. Yeah. That was away, wasn't it? Yeah. I think that, that we just... 5-1 or something. We just came wow. out at traps in first half, went about 3-0 up. Maguire scored one and someone else hit one that was like ridiculous. I remember it's at Knox County. One of the best away days you can have as a blade because you get that entire side. You always take a great following, and you can get a hooters. Like it's just, yeah. And I remember Maguire <laughs> scored that <laughs> just, in that game. Just slotted that, yeah. You get great away following. It's like good at hooters. Just slotted that bit in and hope we gloss over it. But um, I mean, I've got a real dislike of Nottingham now, so I don't don't want to go back there anytime soon. But like Maguire was, I just. Like he played for United, was it four seasons? He came in at the end of the relegation season, then he played a couple of games towards yeah. the end of the relegation season. And then it became a main came a main state season after. Have I have I got that right? Made his debut against Cardiff. Mark Swansea, wasn't it? Wasn't it Swansea towards the end of the season? No, yeah, loads played. in, loads um. He Mickey Adams put loads in against Swansea away, didn't he, for the last game yeah. of the season? Yeah. It came came on at half time against Cardiff and got man of the match. Yeah. Is that what he leveled Bellamy? He absolutely leveled Bellamy with a tackle on touchline. And in fairness, Thank Bellamy kind of looked as though he thought he kind of bounced up and, and almost went half oh, fair play on him. Yeah. So that yeah. was. Um, I think he scored our first goal at uh, Danny Wilson era as well, didn't he? Scored Edder yeah. away at Oldham. Oldham, him and Creswell scored that day. 2 0, remember it well. So, yeah, it, it was with us between 2011 and 2014. It says 134 appearances, nine goals on Wikipedia, but it'll be more than that. So he played. That's legal. That, that's legal. Uh, only, yeah, I, I think he must be getting on for 200 games in those, in that like three years or whatever it was. And because they obviously were in every bloody competition going, like really. Really, really impressive youngster, and he gets a lot of like. I find now when like he gets criticised like by people who just don't know anything about football, like he's going to always like like you say, Phil. Like he can't play with the high lines, his pace, but there's not many better headers of the ball in the Premier League. Won't be. It's not a very cool thing to say that it's a centre half who's really good with his head. Because now they all have to do like kick ups and Ravonas and stuff, don't they? You can't just defend. He's really good with the ball at his feet as well. He's good at being yeah, yeah. His passing's really good. And I he, that shot that went out for a throw in for England with his left foot, apart from that, his shooting's not bad. Do you know what, do you know what the problem is for Harry Maguire? I think it's his build and how he looks. Yeah, he's People, cumbersome looking, isn't he? He's yeah. cumbersome looking, but actually, you say he's comfortable bringing the ball out. He might not look comfortable, but he clearly is because of what he does as an end product with it. Well, he was a midfielder, wasn't he? He grew up a midfielder. Yeah, I'm sure I've heard him say that before. He looks yeah. like—I mean, he looks like a simple farmhand, doesn't he? Let's be fair. <laughs> the best—the best description, the best description of him that I heard was during the World Cup, and I, I might get the, the slight bit is wrong, but he, he said he's got a face that is the composite 
of your year eight physics boys class at school. So he's got a, his face looks like a composite of every young boy you knew in your class at school. <laughs> I mean, he's a fellow member of the big headed, big headed lads sort of society. So I've got a lot of time for him for that. But like, Donates as well, like decent bloke. I think he still lives around Mosby Way and just like used to be a Wednesday fan, now supports United. I remember asking him at Hillsborough once how many loyalty points he'd got, but then to be fair, he said, well, I played loads in League One, so probably probably fair enough. But like, Maguire, he's, he's just, I don't know if, is it, I don't know if it is just the fact he used to play for us that I feel like, and like, I need to defend him. So I just think some of the criticism towards him, he, like, and I think it happens to a lot of England players, unless like you're a megastar, he's just completely like unrivaled in terms of like it's ridiculous hyperbole like him Pickford's another one who get like like made out to be like that they're, they're like in a fake position playing for a Premier League club and playing for England and it's just it's just not true like they're not like mega stars they're not like but then if you'd ask people three years ago before well two years ago before Man United signed him I like, hope oh, Who's the best centre backs in Europe? These like armchair football fans who play FIFA. They'd be like, or oh, Rafael Varane. And then he comes to the Premier League. He's shy. But like Harry Maguire, you wouldn't ever dream of mentioning him of being like a top, top player. It just gets it just I find it really, it's like really disrespectful. And I think that's one of the one of the big frustrations with football. It's like you can't ever just have a reasonable conversation. A player's either like the best player on the planet or just shit all of a sudden. Yeah, it's, it, much. it made me laugh after um, Iran game that I, I'm not sure it was one that commentators went, and even Harry Maguire's had a good game. Yeah, because he's a real defender. <laughs> was it Lee Dixon by any chance? No, it, we won at Summarizers. I can't remember who it were. I want to say Merson, but I'm not sure. But did, did honestly, when he when he were at United and, and you're, he went to Hull for quite a lot of money at, at the time. Sorry. Four and a half, five million. Four and a half, five million, weren't it? For, for a youngster, as a centre-half, it's quite a lot of money. It played at that level. Did you ever see him playing for England and, and being potential stars at a World Cup like he has done? No, I, I saw him kicking on from Hull, definitely. I think, you know, I didn't think he'd end up at Hull forever. I thought he'd kick on. I thought he'd play for a, a reasonable-sized Premier League club. Um but yeah, no, I didn't see him going for eighty million to Man United and playing multiple times for England at World Cups and well, fifty-three at World England Cups. caps. That's bonkers, isn't it? Fifty-three caps, and he's not done. Yeah. At that, he probably won't be at the next World Cup, but he'd probably be at the next Euros. How old is he? What is he now? 20... Twenty-nine. Yeah, thirty-three, thirty-three, thirty-two, thirty-three for the next World Cup. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's already a bit slow. It'd be by only. Well, but that, but but that's the thing. If he's never had any pace, he's not going to get any slower, is he? No, you're he's right. Not, I mean, like his pace is going to go. Apart, well, like, and I don't want his lawyers going after me, but like Ben White went back, didn't he? And wasn't the reason why it had gone back that he wasn't like being disciplined in the tactical meetings and stuff and listening? Yeah, there was there was a Steve, was it Steve Holland? Did that? He'd had a row because he'd not. Yeah. He'd asked him to like know like various things, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't do that." And like they'd had they'd had a Barney, and before the tournament, 
people are like, oh, Ben White's better than Maguire. Now, Ben White's been really good for Arsenal this season, and he was good for Arsenal last season, but he's still like probably paid a quarter of the professional games Harry Maguire's played, let alone the amount that he's played for England and understands like what well, like I don't know, I just find it it's just weird. I don't think yeah. if it was a Wednesday player, I'd be leaping to his defense in the same way, but obviously that's that's fine. But but part part of it as well in the modern world is and I know he's had some bad press on the incident uh, abroad, but like you say, just a decent person. Don't be a bell end. I mean, Ben White gets his chance to go to a World Cup with England and doesn't do what's asked of him in the squad. Says a lot about the man. Man, we'll yeah. play for England again there. Yeah, exactly. about, yeah, like, why wouldn't you do as you're told? Like, like most, even at work, like when you start a new job, you might think, well, this is bloody ridiculous. But you, like, if you just started a new job, you just get your head down and crack on. And then you, you don't go in and be like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. And I don't know. You can tell John's a teacher the way he just went, why won't you just do what you're told? <laughs> Oh my, yeah, well, I'm, that sounds. I lead with a bit more of a stronger objection to misbehaviour than that. Why won't you just do as a man? Why won't you just do what you're told? Yeah, I don't think that'd go down. That wouldn't go down so well in the mean streets of London. But like, no, like Maguire, phenomenal servant for United. Always welcome back at the lane. Played really well. Start England. thinking of some midfielders for this uh, World Cup squad. Yeah, for the next so are we lining up then, Phil? We've got Jags and Maguire, Morgan Gibbs, Y, and Alan Kelly, and Alan yeah. Kelly. So we need to get some. So we need fullbacks, midfielders, and well, pretty much everything. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we're definitely going to hopefully up the pods over the festive period, and we'll maybe um, because I think these sections are actually better than talking about the current team. So. Uh, and certainly better than talking about cross-dressing Iranian people or Kevin McCabe in a mask or whatever other sort of suggestions came up in that first section about our potential new ownership. But Maguire's in. We'll do some more, but uh, hopefully we'll all be in the sheaf on Boxing Day. Um, predictions against Coventry. Tough game, but I'm going for 3-1 win. Ambitious. I'm. I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to say score draw. One-one maybe. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm with Phil. One apiece. Two-one United. So there you go. One-nil to Coventry incoming on Boxing Day. <laughs> but yeah, it's been lovely to get together, boys, and hopefully everybody, despite my very dramatic, we didn't die at the beginning, stayed with us and enjoyed listening to that because we like doing this. We just don't have as much time as we'd all like. like so, all right. What do you want things to say? The blades. The blades. The blades. <laughs>